0: In this episode of Studying Sacred Scripture, we look at one of the most beautiful sayings of our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, which happens to be one of the most eloquent lines and prayers of his towards his Lord after performing an obligatory or fixed prayer. It is Hadith number 72 from the chapter on piety from Riyadh al أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين الملك القدوس العزيز الجبار الغفور الحكيم الذي لا إله إلا هو رب العرش العظيم ورب العرش الكريم نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وَالصَّلَاةُ والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وبعد Wabad. ان شاء i would like to read this one really short concise but really mean useful, extremely unique, you can say the peak of the Prophet's eloquence, hadith, a du'a, a saying of our beloved Prophet ﷺ that maybe all of us read, I hope inshallah ta'ala, many uh, times each and every day after our prayers, obligatory prayers especially, because that's how this hadith comes in that particular context. The companions who narrated this hadith told us that they heard the Prophet ﷺ say these very words after he would finish his obligatory prayer. He would basically supplicate to Allah in these words, not completely silently, as you can see, but not too loud, but they would still be able to hear, and they narrated it to us. And some traditions almost suggest that the Prophet ﷺ even encouraged the Sahaba to say the same which is really important. So the context of it is really beautiful, it's more or less exactly what we did tonight, we prayed our prayer, Isha prayer, and it, to me it still applies. Uh, so what is the Hadith then? It is important for you and I to read uh, these traditions, sayings of our beloved Prophet والسلام, in its original form, in, in the language of Arabic. Because then you will, you will basically gain the sense of what it is and how it was said. And secondly, especially if it is a du'a, a saying of our beloved Prophet which is a supplication in itself, a prayer. Of course, you want to say it in Arabic. You know what I mean? You can say this in French, or in Italian, or in English, in Urdu, in whatever language you speak, in translation It means the same because that's what you mean When you are saying it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing and understands each and every language And every language, a language basically comes from Allah, He is the one who taught us anything that we know So all the languages Allah taught us, no one else But yet we prefer to say these supplications in Arabic those from the Qur'an and also especially those of the Prophet because then we 100% match the Sunnah or we exactly follow the footsteps of our Prophet I'm not saying there's more significance to a dua which we pray in Arabic it could be some poor illiterate man in Mauritania or Nigeria or whatever in Tanzania or Indonesia who is making dua in his local language and local dialect, silat, whatever it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, takes into account and doesn't forgive that gentleman or lady who prayed uh, sincerely to Allah, but forgives the whole region. And maybe sometimes might grant forgiveness to the entire Muslim Ummah because of somebody's very touched and, and, and emotional prayer. And this is one of those. We can practice it, we can say it in that particular attitude and manner, and you will see the, the transformation, uh, the, the positive effect that it can have on you and your spiritual climb or growth. So, in Arabic, it says this is hadith uh, number 71 of the book. <laughs> Allahumma inni aselukal huda wa tuqa wafa walginah. Rawahu Muslim. The meaning is, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhuma reported that the Prophet والسلام, used to supplicate in these words. He used to say this. Allahumma inni aselukal huda wa tukha wafa walgina, which means, O oh Allah, I ask you for guidance. I ask For guidance I ask you Allah for guidance I ask the guidance from you also I ask for piety I want to be pious I also ask for afaf which is chastity and I also ask for ghina which is self-sufficiency Imam Muslim recorded this particular hadith in his book which tells us very important point it is a sound hadith it is a sound hadith, we, we have really no reason, nor should we ever uh, doubt its authenticity. It is a sound saying of our Prophet, with a very perfectly sound chain of transmission going all the way to the Prophet, and of course, uh, a very prominent companion of his, you can see, is the one who actually narrated this hadith to us. Although I don't doubt there are other chains of transmissions, up Apart from the one which you can find in Imam Muslim's book other scholars could have found another channel uh, and it would feature in their collections of a hadith but the point really is that it is so beautiful and we should be rest assured we should be uh, confident this was said by our Prophet and therefore if it's a dua one of his most favorite and so eloquent and beautiful cute we all have no other excuse but to work hard and memorize it, and then read it, apply it in our own daily lives. Now, I do always tend to look into the language of every hadith that we read. This is really short; it's but just one line, basically. Uh, but there are terms which are in themselves huge principles. Okay. In fact some of them are like institutions you can say of our sacred tradition of our religion so it is really important uh, for me just in basic terms to tell you what is the meaning of al-huda in language but we'll try to understand what it means to us and what it actually is uh, for benefit reasons so uh, it means a dalala wal-rashad so al-huda uh, in Arabic language means ad or rashad. So these are the two terms uh, which are associated with this particular notion, the notion of guidance. And you all know uh, the Quran. Uh, in a way, you can say uh, the Quran itself tells us very nicely and clearly. Uh, whatever we learn from the Quran, whatever we actually uh, here, from uh, the sacred tradition whether it's in the uh, holy quran or in the sayings of our beloved prophet ﷺ, or any other prophet or messenger of allah that he sent prior to the final prophet and messenger muhammad ﷺ, was basically in order for those who hear those words to be guided it's like you can say the essence the core in fact you can also argue like the main reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, chose certain individuals from among the mankind and appointed them, gave them that huge uh, task and responsibility to convey the message from Him onto the mankind is really so that everyone, including those prophets and messengers and those that hear and follow what they are talking about, may be guided. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I said tonight in the Isha prayer, he did not create us, or the rest of his creation in vain means like, what a waste of how huge the universe is Oh, look how many stars and planets, what's the point? What's the purpose? Oceans, too much water, what's the point when nobody can dare from humans to go deep into oceans without a good uh, navigation and so on and so forth No, there is actually a purpose in everything Everything that is there is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala giving us those uh, of part of His creation that can reason to be guided. So even the stars, wa bin Najmi, whom ya you don't understand. that's a different concept. But everything is a huge, uh, you can say, master project by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the wisest, the all-knowing, and there is like you you can say a clear purpose for each and everything that exists in Allah's creation and everything in a way is supposed to signpost us really towards the one which we call the guidance so if we didn't use what we see with the faculty of seeing or what we hear with the faculty of hearing or what we feel okay with our hearts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us it really means that we are either blind or we are not interested in in following the obvious, clear signs and finding the true guidance, going back to Allah Subhanahu Taala. And there are many, unfortunately, people who do exactly that. Allah Subhanahu Taala, out of His generosity and kindness and mercy onto His creation, gave us far too many signs. Some of them are obvious, even certain calamities when they strike and difficulties like now, we are all praying for peace I'm so touched by children who are trying to make their voices heard right now we don't want any war, any conflict anywhere in in the world Okay? So everything, everything that exists in Allah's creation Allah gave us too many signs to be guided and unfortunately humans tend to ignore them or they tend to pretend to be too clever and interpret those very same signs which are supposed to lead us to Allah yeah, help us uh, in guidance and finding the right path they use the same universe the same oceans, the waters that I'm talking about the same beautiful planet that we live on and all the biodiversity that we witness to argue that there is no God basically to cause the opposite of Huda which is dalah, misguidance so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really make us fully alert of this because the same intellect you can be using to be guided and to gain sharpness, clarity in your vision and to start removing the whales which are between you and the truth the actual light of guidance by using your intellect for the right reasons rather than using it and over-rationalizing things and having that inclination to argue and argue and argue and then instead of removing the whales you are actually creating a stronger and thicker barrier between you and the light of guidance that's how important it is so that's why it's Dalal there's lots of proofs, evidence there we need to see it and, Rashad, and in a way we understand like the prophets, when Allah sent them, uh, they'll say like, Oh my God, they would preach to people, many people, and don't, nobody tended to care about what they're saying, like they seem like idle. we can't relate to this. Uh, these Imams, they talk, you know, like uh, 1500 years old language and they never tend to contextualize anything that they preach and say and the prophets of Allah would say isn't there a single (laughs) intelligent person in the audience who is able to apprehend what we are actually saying and the message paradoxically is so simple and easy to understand all you needed to do is not to be so corrupt in your brain to relate to it and then personally experientially to feel it, experience it, you don't need certain tools and gadgets and formulas and manuals and teachers to basically present it to you, you yourself and each and every individual can see the light of guidance, can feel the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the existence of Allah and the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's how it is So. To conclude on this particular notion, Al-huda, as I told you, is one of the key themes in the Quran. Whatever Allah says in terms of knowledge, scholarship, and then science, physical, material goods, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَهْتَدُونَ That's what the Quran says. Allah facilitated all of that for us so that we may be guided. We may see the light of guidance. And this is why our ulama, since the beginning of Islam, they all said, nicely, unanimously, if we were, and this is true, if we were to lose everything else that Allah has facilitated for us on this beautiful planet, or in the universe, whatever we can make use of and reach nowadays with the modern technology, I don't know how much we are making use of, but there is some usage, there are satellites pulled somewhere there, and they help us, I can now talk to somebody on WhatsApp, and have a video call free of charge because of that technology so we make use of things which are beyond this planet no doubt about it, the space and the other maybe planets as well the sun is certainly helping us to to survive here so they are saying if we were to lose everything else on this earth, okay everything, everything, everything else that we have, even if our health was to be taken away from us we became ill or even paralyzed But the light of guidance didn't leave us we're still muslims we are still believers in one true god we still profess that we believe in that we as if we haven't lost anything that's what they say Wallahi like this they say like anyone who is guided to the right path they have no clue no idea what a blessing and benefit enormous benefit and rich riches that actually is and amazing like nothing else really matches okay and that's how they say on the other hand you can switch it around and say even the richest man in the world and the guy who has attained the best academic qualifications and the best academic and non-academic awards okay or whatever certificates and the most famous the biggest celebrity in the world or the, the the biggest king in the world since the beginning of mankind, whatever you want to call it, the most beautiful person ever, and this and that, whatever it is, if they failed to be guided or to see the light of guidance and follow it, none of that would mean anything to them. You know. When they pass away, when they live this worldly life and that is their only chance, they would regret everything they had. Just because they they were not guided. And we understand the reason why that is is Because Allah is the ultimate guide. Who is the guide? Who is Manil Hadi? Allah. Allah, the Almighty, the Majestic, is the guide. He is the ultimate guide. And every person who is still on misguidance, Dalal is potentially to be guided. Only if they were to understand that their own arrogance, pride, Uh, stubbornness is in the way they just need to become humble enough to sincerely pray to Allah with the utmost honesty honesty. turn to Allah and Allah will soften their hearts and they will all be guided too that's what it is and that's why the Quran says very nicely to the Prophet it is not whomever you would like to be guided that will be guided it is whomever Allah wants to be guided that will be guided But we can still love people who are not guided, if they are especially our close relatives, parents or siblings. You can have genuine, proper love. In the past tense. Did not the Prophet like Abu Talib? Of course, he loved him. He was his uncle. Maybe he had certain affinity and love towards all others who didn't also follow the guidance. And he wished and used to sadden him it was said in the Prophet ﷺ that they wouldn't understand what he's preaching and they wouldn't follow the guidance. Yet, he had love for them and it's genuine and it's allowed. But we need to pray for everybody. Okay? So, اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَسَلُكَ huda uh, This is in, uh, the Prophet ﷺ praying in, in, you know, in, 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 you know, by himself in the first person but uh, we understand that there are traditions many of them especially Quranic to us which are uh, so we definitely that's how the Quran is so we really need to pray for our own guidance to stay on the right path but for the guidance of anyone else who is yet to be guided and that is the most important thing, really, uh, in our worldly life, no doubt. So that was the first term. The second term, basically, this is the reason why the hadith in, is in this particular chapter. Uh, it's Kitabu Taqwa or Babu Taqwa. We are reading from the book on piety. So you can see the Prophet, Ali beside that, and first and foremost, he, he asked for hidayah, guidance, because it's the most important thing. But then he also asked for something else which is extremely important too. Another key, you can say, concept or principle of our religion, you know, of, of the purpose of our existence, you can say, which is taqwa. Yeah? Becoming conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having proper fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, <coughs> knowing and being aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us at all times. And anyone who gains that kind of consciousness, of course, it will only benefit him. You know, it's like surveillance, it's like you know you are in a particular setting, like the camera security around. So that helps you basically to be at your best behavior. So this notion of Taqwa is exactly that. So how can we travel the path, in my opinion? Yeah, knowledge, I said this a couple of weeks ago is like the first station, the beginning like without the bare minimum of ilm you really can't understand anything like you don't have the sufficient knowledge to begin the journey to turn the vehicle on right? but once you have re- learned how to put your car on, your vehicle on and to travel the path it is taqwa which will enable you to sail nicely on that path that's what it is so therefore the prophet ﷺ in this dua asks for that very principle or notion in his dua in the second place because he knows <clears throat> anyone who becomes God conscious he will do so well he will never ever forget the purpose of his existence for example which is to submit to Allah Taala to his we spoke of Allah being the ultimate guide but Allah's will is also the ultimate the absolute will so if we are not humble enough to submit to Allah's absolute will, we'll always struggle. The, the notion of arrogance is always going to be an issue. Pride. Even show off. Because the more you think you are so important, I mean I used to watch this series, uh, it's like scientific history. And they're trying to basically uh, show us like everything that exists in this universe since the beginning of time and then going back in time, in a scientific way of course, physics but a very strong, powerful message and what I liked about those series is like when you go back 10,000 years ago then 50,000 years ago then like 5 million years ago and then even more than that, 25 million years ago let's say a billion years ago and then you, you, you look at the whole universe, how big it is yeah? you zoom in and zoom out but in a very humble way. What do you conclude? Who who, who am I in all of that? Where is my life, which I don't even know how long it is going to last for? Why am I important? 50 years I lived on this earth? How many books did I publish? How many times did I help somebody in my life? How many times did I help my own self? Why do I think I'm the most important person that ever, ever existed that exists? I'm afraid that's a wrong attitude to have. Did we never ever think of the time yeah, when we didn't exist? We were not worth of mention. <laughs> like even once or twice if in your lifetime you think, hold on. I don't will say. Oh, I wish I didn't actually exist because I misused my opportunity. But did we believers ever think like, mmm, there was a point in time when the entire human race didn't exist. And even the entire animal kingdom didn't exist, the sun didn't exist, nothing existed except Allah. So what it is that is real and that really matters, Allah and Allah alone. Now Allah out of his absolute will chose and decided to create us among many other things in his creation we only can be humble to our creator for giving us the opportunity to exist in the first place and then bow down to him, submit and pray to him that is the whole purpose so people who become conscious of all of this basically they will Uh, humble themselves and pray to Allah in the manner which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make the most of what they have in this worldly life and inshallah when they pass this phase of their existence and move on to the next one which we believe is eternal it will be an eternal bliss and happiness and then of course we can rejoice that's where the true actual happiness and enjoyment lies but even there of course we will find the utmost joy in again acknowledging Allah but there our wails will not be that many okay or you can say there will be hardly any in the sense that no one can deny the existence of Allah on judgment day because he's going to judge each and every person and will be summoning each and every one of you it's like everyone and nobody will be left out, singled out but yet, we understand that even in the next life, when we see and understand better than by what we have been affected by in this worldly life, the heedlessness and the rest of it, the pride and the arrogance, and the amusements and attractions of worldly life, when we can, we, we can actually see and understand Allah's might and majesty with much better vision, yeah, the sharp, sharp eye vision that the Qur'an mentions فَبَصَرُكَ أَلْيَوْمُ حَدِيد Like really, oh, what are we going to do then? Are we going to become, oh yeah, I really matter, I want, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself for the rest of my time in general. No, there will be absolutely no pride and arrogance at all. There will be actually no grudges towards anyone because then you will fully understand what is the meaning of <coughs> servitude to Allah Taala. then you will fully understand what is the meaning of the Lord of the Lords Rabbul Arbar, and the Lord of the Worlds everything that exists all you're gonna do and enjoy most is to praise Allah to sing His praises to thank Allah and to bow down to him in full submission. And that's why the Quran mentions that these are the words that we will hear in Jannah. Waqila Fasubhanallah. Like that. So we will just praise Allah, thank Allah, be so so humble and and fully, fully properly submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be at a very different level from what we have now. So don't think it's gonna be the other way around. It's gonna be a proper submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but in that is the real joy. Because the scholars say this, if you and I actually have no choice because our will is not absolute, even in Jannah it's relative, Allah's is absolute. The Quran says, Jannah and Jahannam will last as long as Allah wants Allah is in charge of everything, okay? So, even there we will fully understand that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is fully in charge and we will submit to Him and we will find the joy in it and they say, if we bow down, submitted to anyone else, except who is the, the true king, <clears throat> we're not gonna feel good. Which person, by any reason or logic, uh, wants to be subdued by someone who they think is younger than them, weaker than them, less educated than them, this is blah blah, whatever? Nobody. You can't be enslaved to such a person. In fact, does any one of us want to be enslaved, serve? An equal of ours, someone who is on equal, according to us, on equal, you know, uh, standing as us in terms of strength, age, wisdom, knowledge, whatever, wealth, children, whatever. No, you wouldn't. Therefore, the best thing to do really is to submit to the Lord of the worlds, Allah Subhanahu Taala, because He's the only one who is the true King the only one who deserves to be worshipped has the exclusive right of being prayed to of being worshipped praised glorified Allah only Allah and that is exactly insha'Allah what will happen to us and we will find the most joy in that because that's the true liberation that's the liberation we are out that's when we will not feel any pain anymore now Pain is a universal, uh, you can say, feeling that every single human experiences uh, at some point in their lifetime, and it's part of Allah's creation. If there was no pain, we will not understand what it means when somebody is telling us they are in pain. Likewise, happiness. It's a universal feeling. We all feel happy at times. In Jannah, insha'Allah, there will be no grudges, no pain, no sorrow, no tiredness. It will be happiness because we are truly liberated. No problems, you're not gonna envy anyone because we are all going to bow down to Allah Almighty who deserves that and we'll be so happy that we found the true master, the true king to submit to and to follow and to serve rather than the false king which could be ourselves or another person or another object not worthy of mention. How can it be worthy of praying and worship? No way. So the notion of taqwa to summarize it will certainly help us uh, travel, sail on the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and protect us from things that can basically put a halt on our pro- spiritual progress. Uh, and we spoke about taqwa, or we will or we will talk about it basically every single session because the whole book is on, on taqwa. I just want to see, um, yeah, so there's nothing in language about taqwa really, it could, you can say, we already explained, mean wiqah, protection, for example. So it's really protecting you from harmful things that will harm your spiritual path. Uh, that that is a nice definition in language. Okay. Next term, two terms we have left. I'll try to uh, hurry up a little bit here. Wal'athatha, chastity, honor. So the Prophet والسلام, asked for that in his du'a. It does seem that this is obviously linked to modesty and it is uh, an essential part if not one of the most important aspects of faith iman because you all know the hadith iman is uh, of, iman consists of many different uh, elements yeah? parts one of them really is modesty and interestingly enough in that hadith where the prophet Ali mentions 70 plus branches of faith of iman he says al hayau min he singles out yeah taqwa is part of it all those things yeah shukr yeah iman billah wal Malaika, wal yawm al akhir Yomul qiyamah wal hashar. all of that is part ikramul al dayf all of that but he says wal hayau min al iman and he doesn't list others we understand roughly what they are in some kind of order and prominence but he singles out this one. So, the crux of that modesty is chastity. All right? So, uh, if you have this uh, s- self dignity, honor, you know, you, uh, and this is a basic human right, actually, by the way. We have like five, six basic human rights. Uh, it's one of them that we be treated in a dignified way, but that also means that you can't nullify someone else insult someone else and destroy their own honour and dignity everyone has the right to honour and human, basic human dignity and chastity, like here it says can really be spoiled by doing something immoral, indecent like last session was really heavy and sensitive that, that's a kind of hadith that we explained, for example there are two, obviously, desires which are difficult for us to control. To break down those desires, well, it's really extremely important. One of them is very closely linked to this concept of al uh, Afaf. And the honor uh, or chastity which is mentioned here is not just for ourselves, like I said. It could also mean uh, the honor of your entire family and your community as well. Okay? So if we are aware that it is important that we do not ruin our own chastity by putting ourselves in a position where we can compromise that, and you all know this, I'm sure your parents have told you this or you have heard it from your elders, your grandparents. It's interesting, in the concept of chastity or honour, the basic human dignity, also we have only one chance we call it like your face yeah they they i use this like simile the language symbolic language it's like you you basically are all honorable and chaste until you spoil it until you get rid of it do something which will basically take it away from you and it's taken away for you forever for good you cannot regain it because it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life that you broke your yeah Uh, your own chastity your own uh, honour so you feel guilt all the time okay Allah can forgive you your sin but they do say that we need to be extremely careful and it's one of those things that you once you lose it you've lost it cannot regain it really but everyone is intact to begin with so if I you and I know we are all intact chaste. why would I go around and spoil my chastity and usually it will involve another person another party and maybe endangering theirs as well which could be very problematic because on the day of judgment uh, the absolute forgiveness and atonement for that sin of us losing our honor and dignity will not solely depend on us it will depend on us and other parties that were involved in it so if they don't forgive us you know that will be a problem okay like uh, our good deeds may be transferred or will be transferred to that person if they chose not to forgive us or even worse than that, if we didn't have any more, their bad deeds will be transferred onto our account so he's putting us in more danger, so to speak and I know, to be honest with you, you know, uh, you obviously can sense people call me every single day almost I don't pick my phone up as much as I used to anymore because uh, of many reasons but unfortunately you know i had so many over the years so many uh, people who will clearly say like so and so uh, spoiled my honor or chastity or dignity i'll never forgive them but that person's honor then chastity was spoiled too and they don't even think of it they don't understand that you know it depends on someone else so i think the prophet ali sallam, you know he prayed here it's important we also pray uh, to allah SWT to keep our uh, to keep us chaste and our honor and dignity intact, uh, so that we never lose it, insha'Allah Taala, before we meet our Lord. But at the same time, uh, we have enough traditions of the Prophet wasalam, whereby he would, you know, really warn us strongly, sternly, and in a way put us off from, you know, from becoming unchaste. It's never been a good thing throughout the history of mankind. The unchaste people, people who lost chastity and honor and and, and basic human dignity they were always looked down uh, in their communities and they never benefited their community really so may Allah protect us uh, and help us to keep uh, our chastity inshallah intact until we meet him Uh, it's important because it's a part of faith as we said through the notion of modesty okay it's part of haya and haya is a major part of iman and the last one, which easily is the most uh, important term to explain, I would say, but uh, I don't need to talk too much about it, but it's important to give you the right understanding of this concept. Well, ghina. So the Prophet والسلام, asked for self-sufficiency, it was being translated here, in, rendered into English. It's a good rendering, I have to say. Uh, you can also uh, say he, many a time he said, Allahumma aghnini, like enrich me, riches, yeah? Wealth or riches. But he asked, aghnini bil ilm, for example. So ghina, the true riches, yeah? Like I said to you, or self sufficiency is through many things. So the one which the Prophet meant in here, this is what you find in the commentary, yeah? I'll just double check again. Exactly. So all scholars understood, wallahi, it's not difficult to understand. They all said what the Prophet Ali meant here is rinn and nefs, yeah? The true, uh, you can say, uh, power, positive power. The true uh, rich or riches that we actually have is to be rich in your heart, which means to have as much taqwa, piety, because piety is in your heart. Taqwa ha huna, the Prophet said three times. So the true, uh, you know, we, let's say self-sufficiency that we want, but I don't necessarily like to say that we will ever become self-sufficient in, in the sense that we'll become so pious that we can just solely depend on our own piety and everything will be fine, or on our good deeds and we'll be saved and the salvation is guaranteed, yeah, granted to us. Not necessarily like that because it's really through Allah's bounty and mercy and blessings That we attain the salvation and protection and guidance and everything really so what this really means is that we want to focus on the true intelligence the the true wealth that we need to increase, accumulate and that is to enrich our hearts in other words to purify them of blameworthy traits and to place into our hearts the praiseworthy traits or characteristics like clemency, forbearance, knowledge, patience, okay, uh, understanding, pardoning, yeah? forgiving, you can name it there are so many of the good traits, truthfulness, honesty and so on, chastity, dignity all those are the things that will make us truly, if you want to say it, yeah? under quotation marks, truly rich yeah on judgment day and that's what the prophet والسلام, said because he said it in another hadith which you all probably know he said in another version or he said all these uh, sayings in different settings it seems like different sessions which really means like the true wealth is not really in what we have of material worldly goods which could include our progeny children or families lineage as a whole ancestry but it is really piety taqwa, taqwa is the true riches or good traits which are part of our god consciousness so this is the time i didn't want you to misunderstand say like oh look the prophet s. S. prayed for uh, wealth abundance in wealth al-ghina. But he was the poorest of people that we know like you don't want to say poorest but the simplest of lives that you could ever imagine and even when allah uh, bestowed some wealth to him from booty or some means through some means or ways he simply wouldn't store it he wouldn't want to keep it he'll just give it away all the pious uh, people are like that like our prophet is maybe the best example in it when he said whatever we have, we'll never store it away from you, like we will never keep it, but we will give it to you. So in that sense, he never basically returned uh, anyone who came to him to ask him for something without, unless he gave him something. And if he had nothing of worldly goods, the least he will say, he'll try to borrow something, lend something from someone, give to the person and then return it to the person he borrowed it from, subhanallah he'll make so much effort but even when he tried to, to ask of, of his companions who could lend something so that he can give because the person asked him in particular in person he will do the least which is important of course, he'll pray for the person, he'll make dua for that person And maybe most of them, the reason why they always knocked on his door is not because they really wanted a few dates from him, not really, or some water from his blessed hands. They did want that as well, and milk or a shoulder of a a goat or something like that, but they actually wanted to meet him first and foremost and asked for his du'as because they knew he would never return anyone empty-handed, we say. like He never uh, returned anyone empty-handed. So coming back... uh, from his home with his prayers, is the riches I'm talking about. That's the wealth. Because when he prays for you, it means he's praying to Allah to make you pious. So uh, let us understand this concept properly. Uh, we are not against accumulating wealth. We can become the richest of people in the world, the billionaires and the richest. You can. I have no absolutely problem, I'd be happy actually, if half of my congregation here were taking the top spots on the richest, people in the world the billionaires that we know of but with condition that none of that wealth whether it's billions or millions or hundreds of thousands or few thousands did not penetrate through your heart yeah kicked out modesty for example or uh, reduced your taqwa piety so if it did not occupy your heart and you were fully in charge of it and you know it's been entrusted to you you didn't necessarily deserve it because you can't be the, so intelligent to be a billionaire and there are many people who are penniless maybe they are more intelligent than you think like that you can't be the luckiest man in the world there are other people but is the real luck really in that all wealth or is it the one who is guided and constantly is praying to Allah with the sufficient wealth or money or food that he has I think is the other one so we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and to keep us on the right path we also pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase uh, piety for us so that we become conscious of Allah at all times and in all situations we also ask him to help us to preserve our honor and dignity and chastity and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enrich us in the best ways to give us the true riches which is Taqwa Allah, uh, fear of Allah Taala, and other things that will benefit us, in, not only in this life, worldly life, but beyond that, the praiseworthy traits that we need to excel, that will make us role models and good people, beneficial, useful people, not only to our families, but everyone else around us. And I pray to Allah Taala to grant us uh, a deeper level, a better understanding of our sacred tradition so that we can understand this religion that we are following is the very best thing that we could ever ever have had Ameen Ameen Ya rabbil Alameen and we pray to Allah also to forgive us our mistakes and shortcomings uh, and we turn in repentance to him and we seek his forgiveness for all the sins that we have committed especially those sins for which we repented but we went back on them uh, for every single deed that we claimed we are doing it or saying it solely for Allah's sake but an element of ostentation or something creeped into it and spoiled it for us and now we need to repent for it again so we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us uh, all of our mistakes and shortcomings and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, that uh, he brings about peace really at this difficult critical time to the Eastern Europe, but everywhere else in the world. Barakallahu fiikum wa jazakumullahu khaira. Subhanakallahumma nastaghfiruka wa natabu ilayk wa nussalli wa nussallim ala sayedina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasliman kathira. Jazakumullah khair. Salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi taala wa barakatuh.